Hey everyone, hi, hello, it is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here with someone I like a whole lot, Allie Ward. She is host of the new podcast, Ologies, where she talks with people that study various things. Also a correspondent on CBS Innovation Nation, former host of Slumber Party Podcast. She does all sorts of stuff for Cooking Channel. She's not afraid of bugs, which is something that we need to talk about. And I recently found out she's been on Nash Bridges. Oh boy. Grey's Anatomy and other things of that sort. Hello and welcome. Hi. This is so <laughs> exciting. I'm a fan of the pod. I'm a fan of you. So I wanted to be on this podcast and then you asked me and I was like, I have a list of podcasts I want to be on. Yours is at the top. That is so that insanely creepy? flattering. No, not creepy at all. It's so flattering. Thank you so much. Yeah. So when I asked you to be on this podcast, you wrote back and you you sent me a photo of a list you had made of podcasts you want to be on and you're like, look who's at the top. And I was like, that's so nice. Thank I know. you. It felt a little creepy, but no. I was like, I've had my ear on you. I want to be on. Let's that's so this. nice. Do you normally, because I've just recently started being that person who's like, I'm going to write down my goals. And also, this is kind of gross. Here's the thing. I, I just, I haven't put this paper yet, but I recently decided, because there's so many things where I'm like, if I ever have a shit ton of money, I want to do that. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to commit that to paper. Yeah, do that. You know what one of them is? What? And this is, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to say. Just say it. Maria Menounos has a quote wall in her house, which is like a whole wall of quotes that she finds inspirational. Mm-hmm. I want to do that. I recommend that so highly. Do you I, have something like that? No, but uh, I know a guy who's a screenwriter and he has like a little writing nook. I guess people who have money call it a den. It's a <laughs> den. But um, he has a bunch of quotes written on the wall and they're all about writing and inspiration and like get your ass in the chair, da 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 and I walked in there and I was like, I feel so inspired. Like I wanted to run out of there, run a marathon and go cure a disease. Yeah. Because what I do right now as someone who does not have the, although really how expensive could it be to write shit on your wall? Really very, very inexpensive. <laughs> right. So I probably could do it. Uh, however, as someone who does not have that yet, all I do is just like bookmark stuff I like on Instagram. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to return to this when I'm feeling down. But I do then that. I don't. What about... Writing the quotes on pieces of paper, gently taping them to a wall. No commitment. That's good. Do that. I like that. And you know the stuff that I tend to veer towards? I tend to veer towards the quotes that are like, it's all unfolding as it should. And like everything happens at the right time. And like no matter matter what, if it's meant for you, it's going to happen. Versus the things that are like, Go out there and ask for what you want. Like pound the pa- like the stuff that just makes me feel okay about sloth. Like <laughs> I think passive optimism. Yes. Right. <laughs> I think that's I mean, I like it when you just hand your ass to fate and you're like, work it out, universe. I'm gonna be over here taking a nap. That is so much more comforting to me than this like, you gotta get out there and hustle thing, which just makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. Well, you're a high achiever. Mm, right? Thank you. I don't I mean, I don't know. Would you call yourself a perfectionist or no? Yes. Okay. So then you're, you, what you're doing is it's comforting because you're taking off that, that mantle of like, it's all in your hands. And if you're, it doesn't work out, it's because you're an asshole. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, no, the universe has got this one. Put it on autopilot. But also, I recently heard someone saying that like, 
at the beginning of your career. And by the way, I'm not at the beginning of my career. And also, we need to talk about you for a moment. Sorry, oh, I'm taking this sojourn through myself. No, but I, I'm I have super perfectionist tendencies, so I relate to what you're. I relate to this where you're just like, it's okay, just it's happening. Just yeah. chill the fuck out. So can she, I swear? I can swear. Yes, you fuck thank, yes. Thank she you was so saying much. something about like at the beginning of your career, your job is to ask to ask for everything you want, um, and that just runs against my. Uh, fear of being pushy or demanding, which, by the way, I probably am those things, even though I'm afraid to be perceived as them. Um, like I'm not a so I'm not a person who just asks for what asks for what I want all the time. That makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, it feels. I think also as women, we're programmed to not do that. Yes, there is. I think that uh, you would be surprised how unpushy you are if you do ask for what you want. It's amazing. Like I am very much like I can't send pancakes back in a diner like i would rather (laughs) eat pancakes with glass in them than be like excuse me this is lethal right so i am i was raised catholic (laughs) you know i'm like i don't deserve anything but hellfire you know so i am like just learning to be a little bit outspoken and i'm finding that people are relieved when you are because people are like god finally i know what you want here it is i can do it i can't do it whatever well that's the that's the thing that's the rub with with uh wanting stuff but not expressing it is that i think people can feel it on you it's Mm. just that you're not saying it so then you're just emitting a weird energy versus when you're like pretty clear and direct i know um it's much easier for everyone else i know i do get that it's It's just hard it's very hard it's super and i i don't know i don't know what that switch is i mean i'm i'm like very gingerly attempting that only mm-hmm. for like the first time in my life ever. And because I've just been way afraid of being, yeah, like the, the problem is, is assholes don't know they're assholes. Right. So the fact, so th- by definition, we aren't assholes because we care for assholes. <laughs> I will say, um, I recently did my show live at PodFest <laughs> and I had a late edition um, guest who emailed me and in the subject line was like, this is rude. I'm inviting myself. Um, and then he was like, Hey, do you happen to need a guest for PodFest? It sounds like it would be a fun time. And I was like, I would love to have you on the show. And the truth is I would love to have him. I just hadn't thought of him because I didn't, I didn't, it's like, I didn't want to burden him by being like, do you want to come on this sh-? or whatever? Right. So that was sort of an eye opening thing. And maybe if I were to be pitching myself more for various things, someone might have that response of like, oh, yeah, I would like to have you. I just didn't think to bug you about it. Right. So there you go. I should have reached out to you earlier and been like, hey, because having launched this other podcast, I'm like, oh, I should I should go on some other podcasts and just to get out there. Yeah. And so hence the list. But um, I do have a friend who is kicking so much ass right now. She's um, she's on this show called Valor. She's like the lead. And she I called her recently because I was just in such a slump. And she was like, here's what I do every day. I make a drawing of what I want. And she's like, it's really working. It's really weird. It's working really well. Is this a bullet journal kind of thing? Are it's, you familiar with hashtag Bujo? Oh, I'm so, so up in Bujo. <laughs> okay. I'm so... Do you, Bujo? Well, Elizabeth Lame, one of your friends and former yes. guests, she inspired me to Bujo. <laughs> and um, bullet journals are... I have like a little binder that I keep with me. It has my calendar. It has like... And I, it's also helpful because I have sections in it. 
so if I have shown, if I'm working on a show or something, I put notes in there. Mm-hmm. So you know how you have notepads and you're like, what notepad is that in that I wrote this thing in? I have notepad chaos. Right. So what I did is I just went to an office supply store or whatever, got like a half size binder. They're just the size of half a sheet of paper. And, um, and then I got some paper for it. Are they more wide than long or long than wide? I'll show you. Oh, right good. Now. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Oh, Joe. it's just a cute little binder. It's a cute half-size binder. What's the cutest binder? Thank you. Thank you very much. I've been using it all year. And then I have tabs in it. And so, you know, I'm working on, I'm developing quad this show. So paper. I have all my notes in it. And yeah, I have quad paper. Um, I write down lists of things I want to do. Uh, I write down, oh, I have my, if I ever got rich list. Do you want to know what's on it? It's hilarious. You have that list. Duh. Yeah, girl. <laughs> yeah, I would like to know. Um, okay. <laughs> I have Oh, look at that penmanship. Shit I'd like to do. Um buy a house, go to Hawaii, purchase a massage chair. That's all the time. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I tried this massage chair for Innovation Nation. We did a story on it and I was like, "Why am I flying to New Hampshire to cover a massage chair for the science show?" This like, what? Mm-hmm. Got there. And you could just go to a local Brookstone. Exactly, which they took away the Brookstone and the Glendale Galleria, and that was my free massage chair access, <laughs> and I'm pissed about it. <laughs> um, but I went and covered this massage chair thing and talked to the guy uh, whose wife has MS, talked to him about like how he designed the pressure points, da-da-da-da-da. I got in it, and it was unreal. It was the m- most comfortable I've ever felt in my life. Wow. It was like a full body massage for 30 minutes, but better than any human. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have to own one of these. They're $10,000. $10,000. Like, you know, with taxes and delivery. But I was like, this is, I would rather have this than like a Mercedes. I would rather like, I don't, I would rather continue to drive my 2007 Prius and have like a dope ass massage chair at home. I can't tell you guys. It was amazing. Now, does the only one exist in New Hampshire? Like, why did you go to New Hampshire for it? Or that's where the guy was? That's just her headquarters. I need to ask you so many things, but first, can I just see, yes. would it be okay if I see and Leave let the audience know it. what the tabs in, in your oh, yeah. um, journal are? Oh, look, you have a, are these all, so you have a map of the United States on the back. Are these all the states you've been to? I color in, it's a blank map of the United States and I color in the ones I've been to. And so I have, I think like nine left. I'm going to Kentucky next week. So that's cool. I'll, I'll scratch the whole belt of the Midwest, like Nebraska, the yeah. Dakotas. Someone invite me over there for a casserole and let me come to, <laughs> and let me have a reason to visit because I haven't been yet. All right. We've got calendars, mm-hmm. TV development, books, travel. Thank you. Thank you. Ward my... cast. So that's good. Thank you. Is that like thank you notes you need to send? It's a little bit of a gratitude journal. Oh you my guys. God. I love that. <laughs> Ologies. I'm just putting Fun. it out. I'm just putting it out there that I'm like, if there's a self-help situation, I'm, I will read, I will read about it. Like I'm all, I'm very DIY. I'm like, how can I fix my own brain? <laughs> we need to get together and have a Bujo session. I know. I need a new binder. My binder's falling apart. We could, but, we could um, go binder shopping. Hell yeah. So, um, okay. Well, you said that you want to DIY your brain. Are you not in therapy then? I am, but I travel a lot for work. So my therapist and I talk about this, that I, he's like, we, it's hard to get you in every week. And I was like, I know, dude, it's because I'm in New Hampshire sitting in a massage chair for money. <laughs> like, um, but I do I do have a therapist who's helped me so much in the last year. I have like, I have pretty bad anxiety and uh, just like perfectionism stuff, achievement stuff. I'm not worried about like plane crashes or mm-hmm. murderers or anything. Like, 
I just am really worried that I'm going to somehow blow it and just get lazy and fall down some slippery slope and find myself like under an overpass, like, you know, eating crickets. Were you raised with a lot of pressure to succeed? Oh, huge. Yeah. My parents know, but my grandparents were uh, real a-holes. They were like, <laughs> and they're dead. So I don't feel bad about that. But um, yeah, they would, they would did this thing where th- when they would come to visit, they would do inspection. They would bring my sister a roll of quarters, oldest, middle sister a roll of dimes. Me, the youngest, got a roll of nickels, which is like unf- unfair already. Yeah. They would inspect our rooms, and for every mistake we made, they would take back a coin. Like, what kind of mistake are we talking? If they found dust on a shelf, or if the corners of our beds weren't made perfectly. I mean, so we were under... This is some flowers in the attic shit, minus the insects. They were... I. They were awful. The only thing worse is if I had to see either of them naked. Thank God I didn't. But they... They were not nice people. So, yeah, we just grew up with a ton of pressure to be... To- I'm Perfect. sorry. I yeah, can't move on yet. Together, they would do the inspection. I think and was, also, if they can't, like, this was like a instituted family activity if they went to the bank first to get these rolls. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, that was just what happened when they came over. And I remember being like... But your parents were okay with it? I think they were like, well, they could be beating you with hangers, <laughs> could, which, is, which is generationally, we got that. We got to skip that. But right. they were like... I remember being like six and thinking, I have to clean my room just as much as my older sister. My hands are tiny, mm-hmm. number one. I can barely reach these shelves. Why am I getting a fifth of the money? I mean, it prepped me for being a woman in the modern <laughs> world. <but laughs> yeah, my grandfather, who was a real asshole, would do this thing. I, I did not experience it. Um, but he would get, this story turns dark. He would get home from work and he would yell, stand by. And then the kids would have to line up and he would like inspect them, make sure they were clean behind the ears and like ask them questions. And then he would beat them oh. if they didn't pass. That was like a real, that, I think that was a generational, the standby inspection sort of right, tough, like, <laughs> like un, unkind love thing, which is not love, just unkind, just cruelty. Awful. Yeah. Are they dead now? They are. Yes. Oh, thank God. I mean, I know that I know how my grandparents would have voted. You know what I mean? So I'm like, hmm, good thing you died. <laughs> <laughs> horrible but that's awful i mean i don't know if it was a post-war era where mm-hmm. everything was like there was like a mili- militarization i've said that wrong whatever of um no i think you said that right did i i mm-hmm. think so well my my dad is older so this is actually the generation before mm. um but anyway so it was war not post-war i guess yeah it was yeah because my dad was born in 33 okay. so that's still it was a uh, pre-war abuse I mean, there are wars all up and down this That's century, true. man. There's true. Name a, name a time. There's a war. So I don't know, but I, I think that that gets instilled in you pretty. And were you raised Catholic or no? No. No. Okay. No. Um, I was raised without religion, oh, pretty much. You're so lucky. But I feel like it's just um, that shit just trickles down and it's just like in your in your blood and in your bones. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You pick up on little things, you know, and you pick up on when you're on your mom making, you know, horrible comments about her body. You pick up on that stuff. You pick mm-hmm. up on, you know, um, on, you know, parents' sense of defeat and all of that stuff. I mean, and it takes a lot of work to recognize it, number one, and then reprogram it. And I think a big part of that is realizing like, oh, this co- this mechanism I'm using isn't the healthiest thing. <laughs> like you really have to come to terms with the fact that you you do things a little bit wrong to write them right so how uh religious was your upbringing 
I mean, my parents were both Catholic. So I have one million relatives. Like we had to do a crash course before going to family reunions because it was like, I don't know which one Uncle Bob is, man. I don't know who's Stacy. Is Stacy a boy or a girl? Stacy's a boy? Okay, great. Um, I know cousin Stacy is. But yeah, my dad was one of 11. My mom was one wow. of six. Wow. So this is just like an army of human beings that you're related to. Um, but yeah, like we had to go to church, you know, every week and it started at, at some point my my parents both kind of gave up on Catholicism thank god but um but we would go in San Francisco and we'd get there to go to church and sometimes we'd miss like the 10 o'clock showing and the next showing would be like in Korean. So we would just go and sit in the back. God knows you're here. Just, you know when to sit and stand. And so we'd go through a whole mass in a different language just to like get our attendance checked. But yeah, man, you walk into a cathedral, there's statues of bleeding women everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's There's babies crying blood. You got to pay money to light a candle if you want to you know, hope that your uncle doesn't die of, you know, pancreatitis or whatever. It's all, it's weird, man. Mm. It's, it's pretty weird, but it's very dichotomous too. It's like, it's very heaven, hell, sin, atone. You're, everything is a slippery slope. Like if you think a bad, if you want to fuck your neighbor's wife and you don't tell someone about it, like pack your bags to hell. Like, you know what I mean? So it's really, it's very thin, icy. Did you do confession when you were young? Yeah, it was weird. Like what kind of stuff would you confess? Like I, I pinched my sister, you know, because she wouldn't give me the remote. Um, and, you know, you walk in like an eight-year-old, just heavy hearted. You get into this room alone with a priest. And I thought, I was always under the impression from Madonna videos, from TV that like you get in a booth, no one sees anyone's faces, right? That's what I thought. That's exactly. Like going to a speakeasy at the very beginning. Right? You would think that it would just be a, a speakeasy of sin. No. <laughs> You're in a, I was in a well-lit room face-to-face, and I was like, what? That is not how I've been led to believe it is. I know. I thought I had anonymity on my side. Yeah. No, you go in there, and you're like, um, I didn't do my homework. And, and they're then- like, yeah. And they make you say Hail Marys and stuff. It's Yeah, it's like, I, I went to a... Uh, I went to a psychiatrist once being like, do I need antidepressants? And she was like, what, what were you, how are you raised? I was like Catholic. She's like, no, you just need yoga. <laughs> I was like, wow. Like, she's, what, what a chill psychiatrist. She was like, I see a Is lot of you guys. Is that the only question she answered? She asked you? I'm yeah, it was just super quick. It was a drive through psychiatrist, super quick. And it was, I, it was shouted through a loudspeaker. <laughs> no, it was, um, but she's like, yeah, I get a lot of you guys. You're like, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Perfectionism, about, though. I get it, though. Yeah. I'm just saying. Let's talk about something that I got that for a while now I've, I've needed to discuss with you. Okay. On your social media, which I follow and enjoy, I particularly enjoy your hair in its natural state Aww. because you are very, you're, you're beautiful Ugh. and you have like, sleek red hair but then periodically you just have giant (laughs) red hair and i'm like oh my god that's what her hair does left to its own devices amazing there's so much volume but no what i wanted to ask is on your social media oftentimes you will show pictures of you holding bugs and things like that yeah um and i look at that and i'm like that's a better person than i am because yeah no no it's true because i love animals my love does not cross over the gulf to bugs and insects. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I can really like spiral down in terms of what that means about me. And then I extrapolate and I'm like, like what? Just like 
that kind of thinking is what leads to genocide. You know, this thing. <laughs> like, see, I can, I can go, I can, I can reach catastrophe very quickly. Like to me, oh, I love cute animals, but I don't love them. Like, oh, oh what? God. They don't love their family. <laughs> uh, oh, anyway, so have you always loved insects? Can we get back to my hair really quick? Yes, yes. Um, two things. I was going to come with my hair au natural, mm. but I didn't want to horrify you. You, I, I would have been delighted. I washed it on purpose today, and I <laughs> blow dried it on purpose. It's like back in a bun right now because after I blow dry it, there's a like twelve hour waiting period before it looks like hair because it usually it looks kind of like a, a rope that you've burned. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I have naturally curly hair. <gasps> I get it straightened. How but do you do it? Japanese Japanese okay I've done Brazilian a couple times I prefer Japanese uh but in high school I used that's when I discovered a paddle brush and various pomades Mm. so and that was pre-straightening iron or at least pre my awareness of straightening iron so I used to blow dry in sections and then if it rained like my life was ruined but I know what you're talking about with that frayed rope thing yeah that was the texture of my hair yeah it it feels uh it feels like a it feels burlapish. Yeah, it's very burlapy. It feels <laughs> coarse, like if you've ever had the opportunity to touch a buffalo hide or something oh, of I've that nature. Not, but I could imagine. Actually, my parents—they've been married for forty-eight years. They're adorable. They're very much in love still. But we were sleeping in a teepee on the plains of Montana because my dad's from Montana. We uh, there's a homestead up there. My my uh, my cousin Stacy, not Stacy, Stacy the boy, <laughs> boy Stacy. Um, but one of my cousins. Uh, uh, married a woman who's Blackfoot Indian, and so we have teepees and stuff like that. And and they have they raise bison, and they're so awesome. And um, so we were sleeping in this teepee. My parents are on one mattress, I'm on another, and we're the smoke flaps are flapping in the wind. You can see the stars; it's amazing. And my parents are falling asleep, and I just hear my dad go, "Oh, I thought that was you, but it's the buffalo." He had been petting my mom's <laughs> hair, who has very curly hair, also. <laughs> He had been stroking her hair as they fell asleep, but he was actually petting the buffalo hide that they were sleeping on. <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> it was amazing. the cutest, realist, but also most <laughs> offensive thing ever. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so I have that kind of hair, but um, I was going to let it let it loose. But I was I and I also had a dream last night that I cut my own hair. So this morning I cut my own hair. You did? Yeah, I do that all the time. Uh I just it's cut never it off. gone well for me when I've tried to cut my own hair. I'm always like, I've watched them do it. I should be able to do it. And then I do it. And I'm like, oh, there is so much more art to this. Oh, what? I think it was a long ago Thursday episode. I think it was pre-Jeff where I shared. I made the decision that I was going to cut my own hair. Mm. And then just to show how fast I can go to like, oh, this leads to genocide. I was like, what if I'm so good, though, <laughs> that everyone asked me to cut their hair and then I don't have time to cut everyone's hair? <laughs> I know I talked about that years ago. Anyway, it turns out I'm not good. So I didn't have that problem. That's the that's so much like a you know how in improv there's like a to C. Yeah, like that's so a a to like F, A to M. <laughs> like that's like whoosh. Yeah. Um, so it didn't go well. So thank God you don't have to do right, that. Right. I don't. I have so much time now to now that I'm not cutting hair. So do you just trim? What do you do? I don't know. I just lopped off like four inches. That's a lot of hair. It is. I'll get it cleaned up by a pro, but I do it all the time. My hair is so curly and thick that it's just like doesn't even matter. I just was like, these ends. And I had a dream last night and I woke up and I was like, you know what? That sounds kind of fun. So I just did it. Which is weird. It's weird that I'm a perfectionist about 
about some things, but I'll, I'll also just lot my own hair off without mm-hmm. even like giving it a, like much of a thought. I'm like, ah, well, you know, whatever. It's that's not the end of the world to me. But if I send an email with a typo, that's it, man. I'm like, oh no. So whatever. But um, we were I, talking about bugs. I'm yes, so yes. Just real fast. I uh, I I meant to write Y O U R and I wrote Y O U apostrophe R E, which is the less egregious of that error. But I was like, oh, I can't believe I did that. So Y O U apostrophe. What's wrong with that? No, because I um I was trying to say oh, your possessive. skin looks amazing, but I oh. said you are skin looks amazing. Oh, it was a possessive. Yeah, I didn't even notice. No, it wasn't to you. Okay. But your skin does look amazing. I was going to say, I'm ready for that compliment. <laughs> your skin looks amazing. Bring it on. I was like, yeah. when did you tell me that? <laughs> that happens all the time. And in the modern era, who really cares? That's true. The fact well, that you didn't put you are is fantastic. That's true. You know I, know that's what I, mean? what I should have done. Prince would have done that, but whatever. Bugs. But, bugs. Um, here's how I feel about them. I've, I've loved them forever, like since I was a kid, but... I get what you're saying because there are bugs that I will put on my face without a thought. Is that that where they go? Sometimes they go there. Hmm. I've had mantises on my head, whatever. There's a hashtag I think that's like bug face or something or face bug. That your own hashtag? No. Or you just participated in it? I wanted to participate. I haven't been able to find a bug impressive enough to do a face bug hashtag. But I have friends who go into the rainforest and study bugs and they put whip scorpions on their faces and they're harmless, but it looks horrifying. Are they big? They're the size of your face. Okay. That, I'm not into that. It's so much. Mm-hmm. But I get it because if I see a cockroach, I want to I want to burn the world to the ground. So I get that. And I, and I ask myself, why do I feel this way about cockroaches? Right. But I'll let a bigger praying mantis like crawl on my eyeball. Like what, what's happening? So I get it. But um, the thing about bugs that I like is that they just, they're very science fiction to me. Like they're very much, they're like little alive robots and their brains are tiny, but their their behavior is so specialized, mm-hmm. so selected for by evolution. And they're so, it's, it's, they're like little stormtroopers, but hopefully better intentioned, sometimes not, but just how, how beautiful and, and smart and talented they are for what their size like if you look at a spider spinning a web you're like how how are you an architect look at you, you you're gangly as like the size of a pinhead and like bruh, 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 i built this very strong thing i think it's so cool <laughs> how do look all of a sudden you're a bugologist which is not the right term um so sometimes there will be a web and a huge spider mm-hmm. going across i it's probably like 10 feet yeah how do they do they jump how do they get across yeah they have um what those types of spiders are probably orb weavers Mm -hmm. usually the ones that that build those really beautiful especially in the late summer early fall that's when i get the most texts and tweets i'm like what the hell is this it's usually an orb weaver but um but they i studied this when i was when i was volunteering at the museum I was a volunteer in the spider pavilion. So you have to take like a two-day course on spiders before you can go like be a docent there. Mm-hmm. But they um, they start by making a kind of a big Y shape and then they go in and fill in the spiral last. But they'll, they use a different kind of silk for that big string that, that, uh, that goes across like the foundation. Right. Um, they use a slightly different kind of silk that's stronger than like Kevlar. It's crazy. And they, they hook it onto one side of the tree and then they, they, jump and go whoo and they kind of 
it's called ballooning in some, I think in some species. Um, they also do that when they try to get farther away from all the other babies. They use ballooning. They just like spin silk and then they just fly on the wind with it because if they're around their brothers and sisters, they'll get eaten. But when they're making, um, when they're making webs, I think they do the same thing. They just spool it out. Wait till they land. Maybe I'll start to like them. I don't know. How do you feel about ants in your house? Not good. Okay. I'm like a GTFO, little bitches. Mm-hmm. And most of the ones you see in your house are invasive anyway. They're Argentinian ants. In LA, we have, we're supposed to have these harvester ants, which live in the mountains, and they're kind of bigger. They only like seeds, but uh, Argentinian ants are invasive, and they'll eat like Fruit Loops. They don't care. And so those are the ones in your house. But Grant's ant steaks, have you ever used those? I don't even know what that is. Oh, they're the best. If you have ants in your house, get these things. They're called Grant's Ant Steaks. You soak them in some warm water and then use a toothpick and you kind of mush it up, put some on the outside. And they love it. It's delicious. They take it back to the colony. They're like, party time, you guys. Look what I got. Everyone's like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then they all die. Well, see, it's interesting because in my fantasy of you, you would never kill a bug. I know. That is genocide. (laughs) <laughs> right there. Like that's the definition of genocide is I put some bait out and yeah. I killed all of them. I know it's terrible. but No, I actually don't. I'm having trouble wrestling with. I don't think it's terrible actually, but I feel like I should. I don't know. I'm, I'm confused. It's ethically, it's a lot to grapple with. I feel you. They are an invasive species. In terms of ecology, you're like, you know what? These guys are edging out the harvester ants, which are then edging out the horned lizards mm-hmm. so ugh. i think what i grapple with ethically is that they i have no problem killing a bug that's like okay. none that's okay and i feel like maybe i should but i don't are you vegan no then but i also no i mean i'm not but that's another one where i'm like when i really think about it i think i should be are you no i'm trying to eat less meat um but the other thing is just by living in a house, like you've dug up the the environment for like so many moles and birds and stuff. So like like human beings, humanity, we're doing a thing. We suck. <laughs> we are doing a thing. You know, like you can't if you were to like there's even plants that might communicate to each other. Like we just you just got to live your life, man. I wonder how much long we'll be doing this. How much longer we'll be doing this thing? Like humans? Yes. Oh, Oh, you said it like how people who have dog or cat Instagrams. Have you noticed that a dog Instagram, they never know how to spell human. It's always human. Yep. My human. I think that just points out how many dog Instagrams they follow. (laughs) They're the only thing that make me happy. Um, Oh, yeah. When I did Slumber Party podcast, I think... We talked about dog Instagrams. Did we talk about Norbert maybe? Uh, 100%. Yes, yeah. we did. I'm super into uh, Chewy the Chai, which is uh, a C-H-I, um, yeah. which is a tiny chihuahua with fangs. That oh, is my goodness. Very homely, but also incredibly adorable. I need to be following him, her, Tiny, him. tiny, tiny dog. I'm, I'm on board. Very ugly face. Love it. Very, very much love ugly dogs. I... Just found out, so Rhea Butcher mm-hmm. um, posted a photo and she said that one of my favorite Instagram animals has died <gasps> Like, and I'm having a really tough time with it. And it was a box of ashes and the nameplate said Rhea on it. Do you know about this bird? There's a was a bird that was had some disease so it had no feathers. Yeah. It was so weird looking but cute. I know. I feel, I feel bereft that I 
found out way too late. I know. So I, I went back looking at the pictures, but I forget what it's like. Rhea, the the naked birdie, or something like that. People would knit sweaters for her. She looked like a tiny alive roasted chicken. Yeah, <laughs> yes, her little tiny wings. Yeah, she was incredibly nude. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I saw that, and it was very confusing on Rhea's Instagram because I was like, "That's your name and a box right. of ashes." Yeah, it was. It, Hold on, why? Right? <laughs> Who posted this? What happened? Yeah, why is that? Why is that? How big should a box of ashes for what? Huh? Mm-hmm. For a bird be? It. It took me a minute to know what was happening. I was very alarmed at first. You know, given what I know of ashes, mm-hmm. sounds like a Robert Frost poem. Mm. Uh, that box is much bigger than. Is necessary actually because I bird. yeah that bird was tiny it really should be like a matchbox size I feel you yeah. hence my confusion right but yeah I I follow a lot of animal accounts it's isn't it interesting how you go to Instagram to be like I'm gonna see something pretty and then you go to Twitter to be like what what the fuck is happening in the world mm-hmm. how are we gonna die today yes and then you go to Facebook to say like I just I'm so content with my life and I'm so appreciative of the people in it. And like you you have totally different needs for them. Right. It is true. And I in Twitter I would I would never post something like super bummer on Instagram. Mm-hmm. No, me neither. You know what I mean? I'd never be like, what's Trump doing? But um usually just because I feel like people go there to like like a closet that they can just go in for a minute and breathe and mm-hmm. then come out into the gross, disgusting world. Right. Is that horrible? I, no. Okay. No, I had an I had an important question last night, which was, you know how everyone's talking about bone broth right now? Oh god, yeah. Bone broth. It's everywhere. I mean, I've been aware of it being everywhere for months now. Mm-hmm. But is it just the sa- Oh, you're you're on a cooking show. Is it just the same as broth? And so anyway, I needed to ask this question, and I was thinking where just like you're saying, where do I put it? Do I put it on Twitter? I ended up putting it in an Instagram story because I felt I had tweeted too much that day. I live a small life, you guys. And what kind of ins- what kind of feedback did you get? I got yes and I got no. And then finally, I just went to Epicurious. Uh, and it's not exactly the same, but it's almost the same. Right. Because it's, it's like kind of a combination between stock and broth. Right. I was going to say, I think stock is boiled bones. Right. Isn't it? Yes. Right? And vegetables and aromatics which is that just a fancy word for herbs and spices sure is i don't like it yeah no it's very annoying yeah okay all right let's talk about ologies okay um you describe the feeling you got when you encountered a list of all the various ologies where did you just talk me talk me through the whole thing because i know you've been working on the podcast for a long time and also if anyone's not listening go listen it's so unexpectedly funny it's so well produced um do you produce it yourself oh god yes is this is why i said when i got here i was very excited to come here because i had showered i had put on makeup i'm wearing pants but for the last couple weeks i have been I because it I edit each episode myself and I have some help um from my friend Jason Scardamalia on the other end who helps me do like levels and some mm-hmm. other edits I can't do but for the most part I spend like thirty hours editing each episode <laughs> so you, which is insane it just also speaks to how bad I am at using certain editing programs I'm just trying to get better at them no but just it's like interviewing the guest and then doing your voiceovers and inserting it and then like the funny little things like I was dying over the is it sub it was a of a volcano expert, a volcanist, mm-hmm. uh, 
subduction is that the word leads yeah. to erology erogeny yeah. erogeny the uh i had this for episode one i had this woman jess phoenix who's a volcanologist she studies volcanoes and she's also running for congress she's like the most badass ever ever and um so yeah she was she was saying some geology puns it made tons of sense to geologists but i was like <laughs> just did not get it yeah. but I, it was like my first interview and i was like i don't know how to tell you i don't get it <laughs> but um so it but it took me i started recording these episodes because i'd wanted to do something about ologies forever I can't ologies remember. being the study of something specific yeah. is that what that means there's just there's i came across this list of all these ologies years ago and I remember, yeah, I felt like I was like, had to pee or was going to throw up. Actually, one of my just like, just me or everyone else is like, when you get excited about something, like, do you have to pee? Like, if I go into like a hardware store or a library or an art supply store, and it's exciting, I'm like, I gotta pee. I gotta pee now. Like, this is too exciting. That that's Hardware a- stores give you that feeling? I love hardware stores. Oh my God. <laughs> you should be with my husband because art supply stores, hardware stores, craft stores the best he recently told me i think this came out on the podcast I'm as well i think i brought it up on the podcast that sometimes on his lunch hour he'll stroll through michael's <laughs> and i love that actually but and i also am into it but not in the way he is uh he's I'm, handier than i am i'm definitely not going to get together with your husband um just fyi okay thank you maybe That's... allison rosen's husband is your new best friend <laughs> right maybe i could be both yeah um but yeah something about a hardware store it smells like like oil and sawdust there's bins and nails you're like what does this thing do there's like lumber i don't know it's so exciting is that not, do you have any stores like that like do you walk in and you're like Ooh, like sephora or like a, <laughs> you know or like a, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> well this is not what you're looking for with this question. Okay. But years ago, when I would walk into a bead store, and yes. specifically in Laguna Beach, there was the bead shop. And I don't know if it was S-H-O-P-P-E. It might have been. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would get super excited when I went into the bead shop because I got on a jewelry making kick. Also, diff- oh, you know what? A stationary store, mm. especially if they have rubber stamps. Yes. And I mean, I haven't done anything with rubber stamps in years, but that rubber stamps, ink pads, if you can buy loose stationery, buy the sheet. Yes. I could, that actually makes me excited thinking about it now. So yeah, stationery stores are my thing. Like I gotta, I gotta wear a diaper when I go into one of those. Like <laughs> it's just like an astronaut diaper. Yeah. It's too exciting. Office supply stores. You mentioned that earlier is where you went for your, your small binder. Yeah. I also get excited by office supply stores. Yeah, All the pens. Know. I know. You never know. You might come across a notebook that's going to change your mm-hmm. life. It's just so much or a potential. desk organizer. I guess it's really like stuff you can make stuff with stores. Right. And I guess that's libraries fall into that as well. You can like think of all the think of all of the ways my life could potentially be changed by an object I pick up in this store. Right. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? This is a portal to a new life. I mean, that's very optimistic. <laughs> way too optimistic. But I felt this way when I saw this list of ologies. It was like my God, the study of bees and clouds and um, and then the study of laughter and the study of, you know, volcanoes and the usual suspects and stuff. And then the etymology, the root, the roots of these words, like, where do you, where does this come from? And, and I just, I was like, more importantly, for every ology, there's at least one person who does it. And who are they? And why do they want to do this? Like, what's mm. their deal? Where did you find this list? I think, you know what, it came because I used to be a, a painter and an illustrator. And I had a little company called Curiology. 
and um, and curiology is a study of uh, writing with pictures, so like pictograms. Mm-hmm. So if there's like a, you know, let's say there's a, a something that shows that the bathroom's gender neutral with a picture, like that's that's curiological, that's a pictogram. And so my paintings had a lot of words and pictures, so it's kind of like a play on that, whatever. Um, and so I came across that when I was searching for curiology, and then I was like, what the fuck? And so I just wanted to do something with that forever, and then... About a year ago, I decided I'd do a podcast with it, and I started recording ologists, and I couldn't figure out how to do the podcast. I just, I had like recordings of eight ologists. They were all great and super smart, but I was like, this is maybe too dense for just putting it out as a straight interview. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I kept kind of like, I don't know, just stalling on it, just perfectionisting on it. And then uh, I finally decided to do like interludes where I break things down and 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 cut it up more and make it more produced, which is a buttload of work. It is so much work, but it's been worth it because I feel, you know, proud of what it is. But yeah, like, whew, if you ever want to see how far you can push self-care, just try to <laughs> teach yourself like an editing program. <laughs> It's I'm a disaster. So do you listen? Like, how do you decide where to put where to enter where to interrupt yourself with yourself? Yeah, because it's like I I did these interviews and it's mostly the ologists talking. And I had a few people who listened to it who are friends of mine who are like, this is really interesting and good. But you just come in like 10 times and ask a question and then you bounce out. And so they're like, we kind of want to hear a little bit more of how you feel about the interview going mm-hmm. through. So I was like, okay. So um, so usually if there's something where during the interview, I have no idea what they're talking about, but I don't want to interrupt them. That's usually when I bounce in afterward and be like, okay, this right. is this. Or if I'm talking to an expert and they're like, yeah, I don't know exactly what that is. So then I'll, I'll do research and do a voiceover later. Do you transcribe it or do you just like you're listening back and you're like, that's where I'm going to do this? Oh my God. It's been... Such a journey. <laughs> like, um, I use this this website called Temi, which is T E M I, that does um, transcription for like ten cents a minute, which is pretty oh wow, cheap. So yeah, it's like five bucks for an hour, you know, five six bucks. Is and it a um a human doing it? No, or is it, no, no, it's AI. So it's like Siri writing your term paper, and it's <laughs> they get all kinds of shit wrong. Like I look through the transcript, I'm like, what is what is this? <laughs> um, but you, you, it gives you kind of like, okay, at least I know where this is. And it takes, you know, 10 minutes and, as opposed to like a mil, one million hours. So. Right. So then yeah, I just highlight it. And, but it's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> is that similar to what you do for CBS Innovation Nation? Like, do you write your own stories and stuff? No. no. So, so how does that work? Well, I think that's why I like doing Ology so much is it's something that's so like, totally in my control, totally in my voice. And it's like, I think that's one reason why it took me so long to put it out and why I, I, you know, obsess over little cuts and stuff like that. But, um, but with CBS, it's like, they will say, okay, we're, we're going to Kentucky this week. And we're going to go do a story on bat houses, which that I'm like, hell yes, I get to go study bats this week. I'm super excited. But um, yeah, I go, I film, I, you know, they might they might give me a list of questions that they want covered. Mm-hmm. And then I come back, they write the story, I do the voiceover. And then, you know, I write a segment um, of the show that's a vocabulary, vocabulary segment at the very end. 
It's called Mocabulary because Mo Rock is on the show. <laughs> Even though I write the vocabulary, but hmm, still, it's still called Mo. I feel like it Mo. should be called Wardcabulary. You know, one day, one day. I was recently talking about a very short-lived show that Mo Rocca hosted. How versed are you in Mo Rocca's career? I'm obsessed with him. So did you well. see the show where it was couples would come on and compete and it'd be like a married couple. I, I don't know if I had to be married, but they each found something about the other one super annoying. And it was like a quest to see who was more annoying. <gasps> and I mean that no offense anyone involved i made it sound more interesting than it was it was oh, a it was no. kind of a weird show i think but the husband's gripe with the wife was that she put artificial <laughs> i relate to this i've i've turned into her she put artificial sweetener on everything including her salad mm. um but it it didn't make sense why it was so annoying to him because it wasn't like she was putting artificial sweetener on his salad yeah i take it you have not seen this show. i have not seen it jeff did we ever find the name of the show this doesn't ring a bell, but I'll see if I can find it. Okay, go for it. While you do that, I want to tell you guys, Allie, yeah. you mentioned uh, you can see how far you can push self-care when you're editing your show. Mm. Well, I have a little something for you that might help you upgrade your life. It's the right sheets. Oh. The right sheets can make or break a good night's sleep and help you feel better and more well-rested every day. Um, Brooklinen, they make amazing sheets. They're affordable. So the story is in April of 2014, uh, the company was founded by husband and wife, uh, Vicky and Rich Fulop, and they stayed at a hotel. They loved the sheets. They wanted to get the sheets for themselves, and they asked, they you know, inquired about where can we get these sheets and how much were they, and it was going to be like thousands of dollars. Uh, and they said, "That's insane. We can, <laughs> we can, we can find these for less." Uh, so what they did is. They created the sheet company. They cut out the middleman. They sell directly to you and you get exquisite, super comfortable sheets and you don't have to pay thousands of dollars. Not, not anywhere near that. Uh, because, um, most high end bedding is marked up by more than 300% by the time it reaches the store. That's insane. Brooklinen makes quality luxury sheets and bedding accessible to everyone. And they have, um, they have like, luxe sheets which are sort of satiny and and super soft and then they also have like crisp cotton sheets which are a little cooler uh i opted for the satiny ones even though my husband sleeps really hot and perhaps he would have preferred the other ones but we both love them i'm just saying i put myself first because that's the kind of person i am this is luxury bedding underpriced you have to try these sheets today they have over twelve thousand five star reviews i love my brooklyn and sheets try these sheets and i know you'll love them too brooklyn has an exclusive offer just for my listeners get twenty dollars off and free shipping when you use the promo code allison a-l-i-s-o-m at brooklinen.com in fact brooklinen is so confident that you'll love your new sheets that they offer a risk-free 60 night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. There's no reason not to give these sheets a try. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code Allison at brooklinen.com. That's brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code Allison. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. Okay. Things I hate about you. That sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right. 2004? That's, that, that, there you go. Oof. Gotta get up on that. By the way, those yeah. sheets do sound really good. They're really great. And they have really I got um I got blue and white polka dot 
but it's not like a it doesn't beat you over the head with its polka dotness. Got it. It's like a subtle polka dot and then um and then a striped duvet but they have all sorts of different options and you can like make in terms of colors and designs and mix and match and they're good all right so we know the name of Moraka's show um okay so you asked the volcanologist right what's the least your your least favorite aspect of your job right and she gave an answer that initially i felt was not a real answer. She said her least favorite part of her job yeah. is that she just doesn't get to do it enough. Right. And I was like, that's like in an interview when someone's like, you know, what are your, what's your worst quality? And you Thank say, you. I'm too, I don't have any flaws. Or like, what's my worst quality? I work too hard. Yeah. You know, um, at first I thought it was that kind of answer. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I, I will accept that answer. How okay. did you feel about it? Um, I thought maybe there's got to be something worse. Like when you <laughs> right. get, like when you get your period on a caldera. Yes. You know what I mean? Like something like that. Maybe, but then again, I didn't prep her with what the questions were ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So she just went off the dome, dude. She's just like, here was my first impression thing. Right. So I, I think that maybe as a volcanologist, what you want to be doing is like, you want to be in the lava. Right. And you, the reality is you're probably, in the lava less than you want to be like if you're an astronaut i could right. imagine like well the the bummer is that i don't spend that much time in space right so what's your least favorite thing about this podcast <sighs> interviewing the guests yeah it's awful <laughs> I, I don't blame you my least... this experience is terrible <laughs> my least favorite thing about this podcast um i think it is having to worry about how do I stay in people's faces? How do I grow the podcast? How do I get out there? Am I promoting it enough? Am I marketing enough? Am I making the most of this opportunity or that? You know, it's it's all of that stuff that I don't want to have to worry about. Right. Um, I also don't love uh, the actual like nuts and bolts writing the blog post up uploading it that stuff but that's like a very minor fast thing oh i know what <laughs> i know what i hate okay anytime this is this is such a tiny thing but jeff and i have talked about for some reason it's like it's it's a pet peeve in that it's petty and it peeves me okay if i actually have to take the sd card out of the zoom oh god and put it into my computer oh, which is it. in another room i hate it I, I hate it. Can't st- I don't know. It makes no sense why it's like truly awful, but I just hate that. <laughs> you hate it too? It, I hate it's it. It's like carrying a sack full of sledgehammers mm. up 10 flights of stairs for and some you, reason. I feel you so hard on but this. But why? I don't know. It's like fl- flames, you know, and flu <laughs> yeah. on the side of my face. I Okay, so here's my deal. I'm I'm like new to making this podcast right four episodes in. So I have a Zoom. I have to take the SD card out, put it in my goddamn computer. Every time I am doing a voiceover and like, eh, you know what? I should have done. I should have said this. I've got to re-record. And so why can't I just put the Zoom? Is there not a USB cable that can just go straight into my computer? There is. Okay. There's a way you can do that. But why can't I? Why aren't there good quality microphones that can go from the microphone straight into my computer 
Why do all of them sound gross? I Do they all sound... I should let Jeff answer this, but I'm going to talk for a moment. Do okay. they all sound gross? Because I took a voiceover class um, and I have not put it to use yet, by the way, you guys. But anyway, he was showing different microphones and he has one that just plugs straight into his computer, Jeff. Yeah, they're kind of junky. Okay. But what you can do is if you go to my website, barracudaradio.com slash gear, there's a list of equipment. And what you can do is you can take your professional mic and there is an adapter made by Shure oh. that's an XLR Pro connector to USB. So you can use that to use your professional mic and have that run directly into your computer. Mm-hmm. I recommend doing that instead of getting one of the crappy mics with a USB plug on it. Well, you just fixed my whole life. That's what I'm here for. Thanks, mm-hmm. Jeff. Appreciate it. No charge. There's also something about that SD card because every time you take it out of your computer, you're like, is my computer going to tell me that I didn't eject this properly? Right. And then I'm going to feel ashamed. And... SD cards are pretty delicate feeling. They're tiny. They're like a tiny, tiny floppy disk mm-hmm. that's hard. A tiny. What, what do they used to call those? Diskettes or something? Yes. Cus disk. Um, every time I take it out and something tells me it wasn't ejected properly, I'm like, "Well, this has nine lives and now it has eight lives." Like right. I feel like it's about to expire. Right. I, something horrible is going to break. Um. Yeah, I get it. What's your favorite thing about the podcast? My favorite thing is uh, talking to the guests, actually. Yeah. And yeah, that's my favorite thing. So I'm your hot lava. Is what you're <laughs> you saying. are. Yeah. I just wish I I hope I don't drop my keys in you. But right. now I've learned if I do let them go. Let them go. Yeah. Never going to see them again. The way that you felt upon encountering that list of ologies, that's sort of how I feel when I encounter a list of um of words or word roots or etymology like Ooh. that's my etymology is my ologies really mm-hmm. and yet i don't do much with it other than just be amused and think about words and stuff um, but i always feel like in some other life i'm doing something with that did you take what did you take languages as a kid uh i took spanish in school um and i majored in english so no okay. but i always like on my list of things to do one day my bullet journal learn latin or greek probably because i just i'm just a real nerd for that kind of stuff i i took latin for four years through high school which was imagine me goth dyed black curly hair braces late in the game ap How latin late? like i was a junior in high school when everyone had them in eighth grade mm-hmm. my family was like sorry we got we got another kid in braces so you're gonna have to wait <laughs> and i was like got it um my teeth are not perfect. I was like, get these. They're pretty perfect. Eh, I was like, get these things off me. I'm a senior. <laughs> I wish I would have just kept them on through college. But um, but yeah, so I took Latin because it was offered. Like it was, I went to public school and it was odd that it was offered. And our teacher was was old. And it was like, get in here while she's still alive, man. <laughs> she's not going to live forever. And so it is, Latin is really helpful for like looking at a word and being able to decode mm-hmm. it. That's kind of fun. Because you're like, oh, I think I can get what this means based yeah. on an old, disgusting language that no one uses or anymore. I find myself doing that, trying to figure out what a word means or what the root is, but I do it without actually knowing Latin, so uh, it doesn't work as well. It's um, getting. I have. There's this one you would love this thing. There's this uh, dictionary of etymology. I should send it to you. It's like a an actual book book and it's just etymology of all the words and it's fun to just open it up and look at a random word and be like oh like um buxom mm-hmm. comes from you know buxom like right when you think of buxom what do you think of chesty 
Right, right. You think of like sweet rack. You just think <laughs> of like cleave in the face. It comes from um, the root word for pliable, like a pliable stick. Uh huh. Because a pliable stick then became like um, amenable, agreeable. Right. Then became attractive. Then became beautiful. Then became tits so like wow this whole weird evolution of a word coming from a stick you could bend to like a woman you could bend like it's really crazy how elastic languages and how things that we think are i see wendy (laughs) um things that we think are we just take as fact are changing all the time right so i don't know i love that about it but right me too well i gotta check out this book um okay gray's anatomy Oh boy! What what did you do on Grey's Anatomy? I made enough money to afford health insurance. <laughs> essentially, I used to I used to act when I was in college and when I first moved to LA. And I um I would have back then you had to make thirteen thousand dollars a year to have SAG health insurance, which was great. And so um, every once in a while, when it, like the end of the year would be coming, I'd like send a note. Probably not even an email, probably like an actual letter to hmm. a producer or casting director and be like, hey, if anything comes up, let me know. And they'd be like, yeah, we'll bring you in for something. And then I would like, they would mercifully give me like a part that was like, did they know it money. was because you, did they know you wanted health insurance? They may have. I may have actually <laughs> told them. But I got cast in this Grey's Anatomy episode where my my husband thinks he's pregnant and it ends up being like a teratoma. But um, it was a, it was an experience that the some of the actresses some of the actors were like so nice and some i was like wow you are a miserable person but there was one mm-hmm. actress who played a doctor i won't say which one it was well, one this of is, i'm already frustrated with this lack of info i'm sorry i'll tell you off mic. okay great <laughs> but um one of the people on the show was pretending to take notes on the case and i i saw her jot down on her on her clipboard this is so fucking stupid. <laughs> oh my god. She was not a happy camper. She did not like being on that show. But um yeah, I don't know. I made enough for health insurance, but it it does haunt me. Every once in a while someone would be like, "I was binge watching Grays and this looks like you but with bad hair." And I'm like, "No, that's just <laughs> <this is> my hair." <laughs> that's real. Important question. When you go out on like auditions and meetings and all, has anyone ever told you how you should wear your hair because I feel like I've encountered lists I don't know or maybe I'm just thinking of Patty Stanger where it's like men like straight hair oh that woman that woman's a devil number one (laughs) she's like setting she's setting us back so far she really is I mean that's a long time ago that she said it maybe she's come come along I don't know what a horrible woman she's um millionaire matchmaker right yes How's her love life? I doubt it's that good. Yeah. I, I don't actually know. Yeah, I bet it's not good. Yeah. Um, no, I I straighten it because it's just continuity. It's helpful because mm-hmm. if I start it curly by the end of the day, I don't know what it's going to do, <laughs> you know, TBH. And so, and when I do green screen stuff, then to have like a nest of hair <laughs> and then the person who's trying to key out the green is like, there's, it's like a doily. My hair looks like a doily, a backlit doily. It's a disaster. So they have to, um, so I smooth it for that. But then, then I have like two producers that come in constantly being like, oop, we have a, oop, we have a thing. And then they're just hairspraying it and patting it down. And I have one really frizzy piece that never seems to obey that I call Kevin. Cause it's like, <laughs> Kevin will get in the shot and they'll be like, oh, Kevin, I have to stop. They call it Kevin too. Now they've started to call I love it Kevin that. also. But like, <laughs> So my hair is always like my family doesn't call me Allie. They call me Puffy. 
because of my hair. Do you have any nicknames like that? Allie is my nickname. Oh. It's not it's not the same as Puffy. Um I guess it actually that was not the question you asked. I guess the answer is no. Um but everyone in my family calls me Allie. Yeah, same here. Yeah. We're both A L I S O Ns. We're both Allison's. But you are A L I E, whereas I'm just an A L I. I was A L I forever and then I changed. Why? I feel like such a fraud. Um I was a journalist. I started to write for the LA Weekly and uh, someone had my byline. Someone was Allie Ward with no E on it. And what? she was like a horticulturist in Britain. And so for search engine optimization, I had to put an E on my name. And my parents still like, my parents still spell it with no E, but my sisters kind of spell it with the E. And I, I feel like I've enforced a change on them that they're uncomfortable with, <laughs> where I'm like, if people who've known me forever, like don't put an E on it. But I was just like, people keep asking me if I write about tulips and I don't. <laughs> so I had to change it. Do you feel... Inside, are you Allie with an E, Allie without an E, or Allison? Oof. What a question. You're good at this. It's because I'm an Allison. If I were a Veronica, who knows what I would be asking. (laughs) Doesn't it seem like so simple to just have a name that's just your name, like Mm -hmm. Hannah or Aaron or something? That's just your name. There's no one who's like, uh, is your pa- what does your passport say? You know what I mean? There's <laughs> right. no like, oh, if you call. I've had boyfriends try to call me Allison like in moments of like intense, like if I'm breaking up with them, <laughs> Allison. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who do you think you are right now? Like, right. you're not my, you're not like my dentist. What are you talking about? <laughs> I hate you. But um, I, I, this is such an amazing question because I think about this all the time. I'm like, what's my real identity? <laughs> what do I identify with? And I think I'm a ward. Oh, I identify with my last name so much more strongly. Like, interesting. I sign emails Ward sometimes, and I'm like, oh, is that appropriate? Should I be? Because it's funny because Allie with the E on it spells a lie. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Allison I think means truth. So it's funny that if you truncate the truth, mm-hmm. you get a lie kind of. But um, it feels. Allie with an E feels a little bit pretentious because it's like a professional thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But did you change your name when you got married or no? No, okay. I intended to. Uh, and like I filled out, I, I don't know if it's on the marriage certificate or there's something that I filled out where I was like, am I going to be Allison Michelle Quantz or am I going to be Allison Rosen Quantz? Not realizing I had the option, I think, of just doing Allison Michelle Rosen Quantz. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm just going to go Allison Michelle Quantz. Like I'm fully leaning in. Uh-huh. And then... I I started to feel very uncomfortable with the like it felt like I I just I just think I got married too old to change my name or something it felt too hard I like I said I always intended to and then when it came down to it I was just like I can't erase it felt like erasing my identity or something right. so yeah. I didn't right. um and then I also thought about it again when I got pregnant because then we would all have the same last name and because there always is confusion when I call. Like, hey, this is, you know, so-and-so, a patient name. And then there's like some slight confusion over us having different last names. Um, But I just still haven't done it. So I don't know if I will or not. Is it harder to change your name than it is to like, I don't know, buy a gun or something? I hear that it's like a real pain in the ass. Well, that's what I've heard. Yeah, I've heard it is a pain in the ass too. And then also... um, changing your credit cards, changing your driver's license, changing... I imagine your social security... I just imagine traveling would then become sort of a nightmare over the, like, mismatched 
did I is, you know, but I but I was I don't know. It's probably for people who want to do it. It's probably not that bad. Just thinking but, about it made me like instantly car sick. <laughs> like yeah. instantly like, oh, I need to breathe. Oh, it's too much. <laughs> like I'm not married. I'm not I'm not engaged. I'm not with with someone in that way. But um, but yeah, I've always thought like, I'm at this point too old to take a dude's name, I think. I just, not too old, mm-hmm. rather. I'm too established with right. my own identity. Well, I have a theme song with the name Rosen exactly. in it, so I can't, I can't lose that. Exactly. Like, we are our businesses, so, you right. know, but that kind of merger is like, do I have to rebrand myself? Yeah. But it's well, also- no, but you could, I mean, what people say, which I think is true, which was what I intended to do is just legally, I'll change my name, mm-hmm. but I'll still go by Allison Rosen. But then just that mountain of paperwork. And the identity thing was just too much. I for know me. a lot of. I went to seven weddings last year. Oh my god! Yeah. Did you? I hope you wore the same thing at all of them. God, I wish I did. <laughs> As really should have. I just should have worn silk pajamas to each of them and been like, <laughs> I'm here for it. But um, three of them, by the way, met online. Three of the weddings. Look there at was that. A match, an OK Cupid, and a Tinder. By the way, Tinder wedding was uh, another guest of yours, Matt and Dory. Oh. From Excellent Adventure. Um, sure. Um, and I made Matt download Tinder because I was like, Tinder is a shit show of humans. You got to look at this. I was like, you got to check this out. You brought them together. Yes. I was like, it's hilarious. It's awful. And so he downloaded it. He swiped on one human being. She ended up being like double master's degree, executive editor of BuzzFeed, novelist, Boom. They both deleted their app a week later. And I was like, meanwhile, I'm on there just shuffling through turds, being like, are you kidding me? This guy is like shuffling the, through turds. the worst. The worst. The guys were horrible. And then they just like flitted off. So I'm so happy meant for them. to be. I don't love I guess. that. But, um, but yeah, but a lot of women I know are, I don't know if any of them changed their names because everyone's kind of like, this is my, especially in LA, they're like, I'm mm. a writer. I'm a, you know, right. This is my, this is my thing. But I don't know. So I already changed my name once. Uh, not legally, but I feel like I already put my family through like, this is what, this is how we spell it now. <laughs> I like, can't, can't do it again. But yeah. But Al, I was Allie for a long time. But now, did you consider A-L-L-I-E or A-L-L-Y or any of those things? It was all about, this was 2007, it was 10 years ago. It was all about search engine optimization. I was like, okay, if someone is looking for my stuff, does anyone else spell it this way? And I was like, they were A-L-L-I-E's. So I was like, I need people to be able, at the time I was writing about music and there was this band I loved called Restaurant and they were just called fucking Restaurant. And I was like, what a nightmare. (laughs) I was like, you're great. You you use a suitcase as a drum set. You play on a weird banjo you made out of like old razor blades. I don't know. Whatever. You're dope. And I can't, if I type in restaurant Los Angeles, and I was like, Jesus, get it together. They finally (laughs) changed it to a V. They're like, the U is a V. But I was like, you can't do that in this day and age. Mm -mm. Why do you think so many companies just take the vowels out? You know what I mean? Oh. Because then you can find them. I hadn't thought that that's why they do it. Yeah, I yeah, thought it was one. just some weird trendy thing like bone broth. Yeah. I said it. <laughs> uh, let's take some questions from listeners. When we ask this and them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see here. 
Chalet says, have her parents come around to realize voting for Trump was a bad idea? Oh, my God. That's right into it. Uh, my parents are wonderful people. I don't understand why they are Republican, because it doesn't make any sense, because they're not they are not in a financial position to be like, oh, it's hands off my wealth at all, <laughs> at all, at all, at all, at all. But um, my parents turned Republican around the time we found out that we were related to this guy who had a hand in the American Revolution. So this guy named Artemis Ward, he was the first commander in chief of the US Revolution. And then he had like an exploded gallbladder. And he's like, George, Washington, take over. And so once my parents found out that we were tangentially like great, great uncle, they started getting weirdly patriotic. And then they started watching Fox News, and then it poisoned their brains. <laughs> so it's so upsetting because i'll go up there to help them out and i'll be like turn this off please i think they have realized that it is was an error oh okay yeah they're um they're getting they are getting more and more tolerant of my very very vocal opposition what were they before uh the artemis awakening I don't really know. I feel like my mom, my my mom, I think was a Democrat who helped campaign for Reagan when Reagan was a Democrat. Mm. So I don't know, maybe there was a weird transition thing. But my dad was a reporter, broadcast journalist, and uh, my mom was an accountant. I, I really don't, I don't know. But it's one of those things where I have been super vocal politically and on social issues since I was young. Like I would read books on feminism in high school electively and I would engage in weird debates about civil rights and stuff that I didn't know enough about, but just knew enough about to be obnoxious. And so, um, so I don't know. I think that they have realized that they're, I think that they are ashamed and embarrassed now, mm. but they, I don't think that they'd come out and say it. Well, Given that your dad's a reporter, mm. I would imagine especially the attacks on the media aren't aren't sitting well with him. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going up there next weekend. And uh, they have definitely learned to not have Fox News on because I'm like, no way, dudes. I'm coming up here to like help because they're both sick too. Like, my dad has cancer. My mom has MS. And I'm like, I'm coming up here to haul wood and like cook meals, do the dishes, take you to appointments. And then you return the favor by having some disgusting people like squawking about things that I just like disagree with. So they've at least turned that off. It doesn't make sense because they're really nice human beings person to person. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to find the question. Someone asked how your dad's health is, but I need to find. Really? Gosh, these are so, these are so incredibly personal. It was Chalet. Same, same person. Also, how's her dad's health? He's doing well. My my dad has something called multiple myeloma, which Mm -hmm. is like not to be a bummer, but um, it's a, he's doing well though. He was diagnosed. He was like late stage diagnosed four years ago and he had a prognosis of about two years. So he's, but thanks to people who are, who are doing great things he's on some really great drugs and i'm actually doing um on november 4th in la there's i'm not sure when this is coming out but before then it's coming out monday yeah oh great um yeah november 4th i'm i'm helping out with a um there's a comedy benefit for the uh myeloma foundation and so i'm i'm helping out with that it's like a really good lineup like kumail and like ray romano and all these things oh wow i'm uh i'm involved with that just to to kind of help out on the red carpety stuff very cool yeah so do you do stand up I don't. I do storytelling, but I feel like podcasting is kind of like sit down comedy. But mm-hmm. um, but no, I'm terrified of doing it. And I think I should just go to some open mic in the valley and like wear a mustache and just give it a shot without anyone knowing. <laughs> just so that I could suck and be like, okay, I tried that. Right. Have you done it? I have. How was it? Um, it the first time I did it, 
was went really well. Like the first the hand first handful of times I did it went really well. Which my hunch is most people who stick with it, they did do really well at the very beginning because otherwise why would you keep doing it? I'm sure that that's not the case for everyone, but it went really well. Um and then I got very in my head about it and um I listened to like a I don't think he was my manager but he was a manager at the time who was like as a woman you should not talk about dating because oh my blah, blah, blah and like you shouldn't talk about this and shouldn't talk about that and that like rubbed me the wrong way and I was like there's all these rules and I sort of a newcomer to this this sort of well well uh Cameron Esposito described it as a caste system and it really is like that like um and I just but all of that actually wouldn't have dissuaded me I think if I loved it the last time I did it I was like I can't wait till it's 10 30 p.m because then this will be over and I thought that's not something you do if you love it right you know versus the other things I do where it's like I feel alive when I'm doing it I didn't feel that way about it um so I don't know. I feel like I could do it if I wanted to. I'm not saying I could be great, but I could do it. But I just I don't love it enough to to go through it. That's a good barometer. Yeah, you know what I mean, if you're like, I think comics who really like it because it is a hard life too. Mm-hmm. I think comics are like, I can't, you can't get me on that stage. And then you're <laughs> right. like, you get it, you go. I love watching. Yeah, but there's a Netflix documentary. I forget what it's called, but it's about um, it's about stand up comedy and and what it what it takes and it's like so dark and so depressing it's just like it's the worst life (laughs) it hurts my soul every day i'm addicted to it you're like all right i'm good yeah i didn't have that addicted to it feeling right um i had my feeling about sometimes about live performances like oh that wasn't that bad right what about (laughs) versus like live television and I don't know if I don't know why, but for some reason, because that's that I sort of got my start um, doing live morning news stuff. Like I fucking love that. Right. I just love it. Um, I I don't feel nervous, or if I I just feel excited, and you know all those things. The only thing you don't like is that you don't do it enough. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly correct. It's your lava. Young tunes daily. Any good untold stories from your goth days? Oh boy. Oh the goth days. I was super goth. Like I went to a really good public school. Everyone was very rich. Everyone wore nice pants and had jettas and uh, and played lacrosse. And so we didn't have that kind of money. So we, my friends and I, just became weird goths because it was just like, <laughs> well, you can't argue with this, motherfuckers. <laughs> and so, um, and it was grungy days. And so I'm trying to think of, um, you know, my God, I was. I fall asleep. Speaking of sheets, like your sheets ad really hit me right in right in my sleep area, sensitive spot, <laughs> because I can fall asleep anywhere, which is like really problematic. But um, I fell as- I have fallen asleep at gothic industrial clubs, like with like slouch, <laughs> yeah, like skinny puppy playing, and I'd just be like bye bye, and just fall like sober, completely fall asleep, and so that happened a lot. But um. I'm trying to think. I had a, a religious aunt tell me that uh, my black nail polish was the work of Satan. And I was like, <laughs> mm, I get good grades. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the worst thing that happened. I mean, I, I was a, I was like a pretty good student in college. I was studying biology and I was studying photography and stuff. But I lived in a house full of like industrial dudes. And one of them sold weed. And the whole our whole 
freezer was stuffed full of like bricks of weed of probably shit weed too but whatever and our garage had like a six foot bong and the floor was just like shells of nitrous oxide like i lived in this house where like other people would come to the house to just to whatever to like this was santa barbara this was in santa barbara yeah oh my god how did you good memory um because i might have looked you up beforehand oh my god you're <laughs> such a good reporter this was in santa barbara not a lot of goths in santa barbara right i kept putting myself in the least but i feel like situation. a lot of partying a lot of party oh, like that this house makes sense in santa so barbara. much sense like i remember the first time i ever drank i took shots of like room temperature gin with a pepsi chaser it was the worst thing that ever happened (laughs) to my body um and there was a a couch on fire and i just remember being like this is what kind of a hellscape am i in (laughs) but um but yeah those goth days my uh i had a boyfriend named braun who we dj'd a club oh my god yeah it's pretty braun and Allie. braun and Allie. we dated for like five years is that weird he wasn't from orange county was he no he was up north but yeah, he's like a software salesman now. <laughs> no more. It'd be weird if I actually knew the Braun you mentioned, but it's not the most common name. How did you know a Braun? Um, there was a Braun in Orange County, Aww. and uh, he and I went to the same tennis camp. Mm-hmm. It was that's, a day. It was not a sleepover camp. That's so I not goth. His last. No, it was not. No, and I wasn't goth, but I was. That's you were the punk, thing. right? You were like Riot Girl. Uh, I was Ish. in a punk band. I don't, I don't, I don't think I like embrace, I don't, I didn't consciously embrace any of, of those things, but everyone always thought I was goth. And I look p- at pictures and I'm like, because I was goth, I just yep. wasn't aware of it. I know. It's really, it's one of those things where it's like putting a frog in boiling water where they don't know. <laughs> yes. It's like, you don't realize you're goth in, until you look hindsight right. and you're like, oh, I was using white clown makeup as foundation. Like, yeah. I was goth. Like, I was like, no, I'm just really into the Smiths and uh, the Cure and stuff. <laughs> right. And you're like, you're wearing wool in the summer and fishnets as a shirt. Like, mm. you're fucking goth, dude. Right. And it's like, okay, there's a lot of black eyeliner happening mm-hmm. and also a lot of lipstick and just a lot of makeup in general and black everything yep. and black hair. And yeah, so. I had a, my college roommate in the dorms freshman year went as me for Halloween. <laughs> But as sexy Allie, because apparently I did not dress sexy. Oh, I, I, I didn't either. And never still don't. Yeah, I, I wore like big boxy everything. Mm-hmm. I was like a little feminist where I'm like, you're not seeing the outline of my physique. Like, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> but yeah, so I opened the door and she was wearing all of my clothes, but like in a slightly like, like a Halloween slutified version. That's hilarious. Did you feel celebrated or denigrated? Um, I felt very, I think I just, just edged out of the room backwards and was like, <laughs> I'll see you November 1st. <laughs> too much. Uh, Stephen Ray Morris. Why is Allie Ward so awesome? Because I know Stephen Ray Morris. Oh, that's, oh, that's a touche. Yeah. Right, right back at She's you. She's great. Stephen Ray Morris, amazing person. And what a mustache. My mustache aspires. As an Italian woman, my mustache <laughs> is so envious of his. But you had d- d- laser plucking. Oh my God, Alice, Jolene, I'm so glad cream you bleach. What's going on? Because well, there's no mustache that I'm seeing. Well, I've lasered everything below my eyebrows, pretty much. Not my eyelashes. But um, with my mustache, because I am Italian, I realized this morning that I was brushing my teeth and I realized that when I waxed last time, I got a clean, got a clean deal on one side, but still have some peach fuzz on the other mm, side. So you wax. Yeah. 
by yourself or do you go to someone? I do it. I'm such a weird lumberjack. I Wait, do you have one of those wax warmers? No, I'm oh, not that those intense. Are, okay, well, how do you do it? This tweezerless wax for sensitive skin, you can buy it at like Sally's. It's $5. You put it in the microwave. You test it on your hand to make sure you're not going to burn off several layers of your dermis. Mm-hmm. And then it just hardens. It's blue. You don't need strips. And then you just you rip it off. You steal yourself. And you're like, this is going to hurt so much. But you do it. Because it's not acceptable to have a mustache and no. you rip it off. It does. I've not waxed my mustache, but I used to get my eyebrows waxed. And every single time I was like, holy shit, this hurts. Mm-hmm. Pretty painful. Um, you mentioned dermis, which reminds me of a funny story from the past about a dumb person. Okay. Uh, have you ever joined a gym? Once. Did you have to sit through a whole spiel about it? Like, I feel like. People who want you to join a gym, it's often like someone who's trying to sell you a car at a car dealership. Oh, yeah. That's gross. Yeah. So, and like they bring you into the office and like write down a bunch of shit on four different pieces, parts of the paper and you're confused. And in my head, I'm always like, somehow I can crunch the numbers to find the cheapest membership, but I don't, but I'm, you've spun me around. It's as if you're trying to hypnotize me. But anyway, this guy who was giving us the whole gym spiel that I wanted to get out of so bad was explaining that for the you know set number of days you can call and cancel at any time like you can call you know no matter what you can call and just be like hey i have an epidermis and i need to cancel and he didn't he didn't mean it in a funny way he actually thought having an epidermis was a condition oh no yeah did you stop trusting him at that point i authority Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it was at that point that I thought, you are dumb and full of shit. That's not true. I, I knew it instantly. What do you think he meant? Like, Because even an epidural doesn't make any sense. If you're I like, think oh. he thought he was saying, like, I have a melanoma or I have wow. um, strep throat or I have... Well, now you're making me reconsider. Like, was he just being clever? Like, you can cancel for any reason. Like, hey, no. it's Tuesday. No, I really think he thought it was a condition. I'm sure he did. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm, I'm, maybe he knows like I have the word. A, yeah. From like a staph infection manual or something. Right. You know what I mean? He for, cause that was my reaction at the time. He for sure meant some kind of condition. That's beautiful. That's <laughs> so beautiful. But he probably was very, very pretty and good. He at was. Working he out. had long hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's he was tan. <laughs> this was back when long hair was cool. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to Just Me or Everyone. But first, I want to tell you guys, I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. Uh, all sorts of fun, great stuff there, including so much access to me. You'll be like, how do I get her to leave me alone? Uh, there's there's a level where you get bonus episodes. Jordan Morris is going to be the bonus episode this month. Jeff Fox, none other than Jeff Fox, bonus episode last month. Um, and you can get access to an exclusive live video stream. There's a level where you get merch in the mail. It's fun. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen and rate and review. Okay, let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I Ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? I have been informed that Allie has it just me or everyone. It's it's not not gross. That's okay. It's it's I like kind gross. of gross, but it's not. It's definitely not ungross. Uh, that's my favorite. Okay, so you know when you do you ever get excited yes. <laughs> when you realize you have like 
a zit on your head. Hello. <laughs> Picking head scabs is one of my favorite things. Pulling the scab through the hair. Come on. <laughs> okay, just checking. Yeah. yeah. I would um that's one of those things where you're like, it's so great when you have like an an ingrown hair or a, a thing that no one can see. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoosh. This is because when you have something on your face, you're like, I can't even enjoy this disgusting thing because everyone can see it. Right. But and you don't want to make it worse. Mm-hmm. But when you've got like an ingrown hair on your thigh or like a, a pimple on your scalp, it's great. It's great. Have you ever felt something on your body and been like, I can't wait to get home and pick that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. hundred percent. And I went to the dermatologist. I wanted to pull over recently to pick something on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? This demands my full attention. Have you ever had to get checked for moles by um, an epidermis doctor? (laughs) Many, many, many years ago. uh, And then I spent many years being like, I'm probably going to die because I haven't been checked in a long time. And then recently I had a little thing, a hard bump on my, a small, small, cute, hard bump on my (laughs) face that wasn't going away. And I was worried about it, but it turned out to just be seborrheic keratosis, which is harmless and something that comes with aging. They're called the barnacles of aging, which is so flattering. That's not really what they're called. They, they? Well, the doctor didn't tell me that. I got home and I looked up seborrheic keratosis thinking it'd be like, this is a cute, harmless thing that cute people get. I don't know what I expected. And instead, <laughs> I found the most mortifying paragraph about like, because they start in middle age and because of their wart-like uh, um, you know, appearance... They're referred to as the barnacles of aging. <laughs> it was awful. That melts my heart in a way that's so horrifying. And also, <laughs> I just want you to know, I did go to the epidermis doctor recently because I had a thing on my face that I thought was a mole and they told me it was separated keratosis. <gasps> oh, and I'm sorry. Like, barnacles I, of aging. Yeah, I just like a barge. I'm just like the undercarriage. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Of like of a tugboat. Uh-huh. Horrifying. And I was like, well, can I get it off? She's like, as long as she's like, no, I just deal with it. She's like, as long as I've got you here, let's check you for moles. And I was like, that's a good idea. If you've had that done, it's like an alien invasion. I, there's nothing more vulnerable than lying. Like, do they ha- check your whole body? Whole body, entire body. And it's like, it's like you're on a slab at the morgue, but you're still alive and able to be embarrassed. And you're just laying there, not even with like a covering on part right. of you. And they're just with a little loop, like a jeweler's loop. Oh, my God. They're just looking at everything, man. And I was like, I have a mole in my butt crack. And she's like, <laughs> I'll check it. And then she checked it and she was like, I've seen him deeper in cracks. And I was like, good to know. Did she have to spread your cheeks to get to of it? Of course she did. <laughs> I don't know what I was hoping for here. With the, with the loop, with oh the jeweler's goodness. loop. You get out of there and you're like, this was intimate. It was very, I was like, could, I had a hard time making eye contact as I shook her hand to say right. goodbye. The way you describe that is what I used to think massages were like, which is why I never got one. <laughs> oh, no. So I was like, I don't want to lie naked on a table while someone rubs me. I didn't realize that they just like, they drape you and just uncover a little part of you. Um, so my epidermis doctor <laughs> didn't check me for moles. I feel like Maybe she wasn't that thorough. And also she... D- so you you still have your barnacle of aging? Yes, it's still here. And I keep thinking that... <gasps> That's like pretty close to where mine was. Mine was a little closer to the hairline, but you're pointing to your cheekbone. Yeah. Mine was above my cheekbone on my hairline. But I said to her... 
She said, it's harmless. And I said, is it going to get bigger? And she said, maybe let's just freeze it off. And I said, oh, I said, okay. That's actually not what I said. What I said is, is that going to hurt? And then she said, yes, but you can handle it. And then I didn't hear anything she said from like that point until she froze it off. And my body was reacting as if she was like, we're just going to cut off one of your limbs. But I didn't want her to see how nervous I was. So I was truly in, I'm such a wimp about things like that. I was like truly in a sheer panic until it happened. And then it, it like hurt a little bit, but not very bad at all. But you've had a baby. I know that was, that was what she said. She's like, you're a mom. You can handle it. How much did childbirth hurt for reals? Give me the real deal. Cause I'm probably not going to have them. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's not going to happen. I also have the worst ovaries ever. Like if you could fire ovaries, they'd both be out of there. I'd be like, you I guys, have pretty bad ovaries. What's wrong with yours? Well, I had to do IVF. Right. I know that. Yeah. Um, people who don't even know me probably know that. <laughs> you well, know who I am. Like I was so loud with that. Um, so I'm a poor responder. So despite all the stimulation drugs, my ovaries still would only produce a few eggs at a time. So right. that's why I had to do it so many times. So that's what's wrong with my ovaries. What was your, do your FSH mem- numbers? Oh. Do they test yours? The, oh, d- oh, did they? Did they? Yeah, they you gotta- repeatedly, but I can't remember any of that. I th- like, what's a good one? Well, FSH... High, the higher it is, the worse. Yeah. Is that how it is? So FSH is how they can tell oh, yeah, how, how, hard, your, how right. hard your body is stepping on the gas. Exactly. stimulating hormone. So they, they start testing you. And if it starts raising, it's like, oh, you're pretty much... You should just get a cat. Like, this is what they <laughs> usually tell you. And so a good number is like between two and eight. And mm-hmm. if you're over eight, they're like, uh-oh. If you're 10, a lot of fertility clinics are like, get the fuck out of my office. Mine is 135. What? <laughs> they look, Did they test it more than once? They've tested it like so many times where I walked in, one doctor walked in and he just went, why is this, this happening? And I was like, I don't know, dude, I'm paying you the money. But they're like, you're literally off the charts. Like the, the range is like from whatever to 116. And uh-huh. they're like, you're beyond it. So I was like, so they suck a whole bunch. Do you ovulate? I don't think so. No, no. It's, Do you have normal? I'm going to look. I'm like a mole doctor. Ask me everything. Do you have normal periods? No, but I thought I was just stressed. And for years I was like, okay, I'm just stressed out. I travel a lot and I'm not on birth, birth control. So I'm hanging around all these ladies, my girlfriends. It's all my, my cycle is just crazy. And, um, and then I like finally went to a doctor and they test tested that and they sent me the results by email. And so I just Googled the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is this number? And then I realized, like, I found out alone in a hotel room looking at Google on my phone that I was like, that I had ovarian failure. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's been a couple of years, but I've tried like autoimmune diets and they're pretty, I have to just take like, uh, I like to think that I take the same cocktail of hormones as Angelina Jolie since she had her ovary removed. <laughs> I like to think of it that way instead mm-hmm. of like what your grandma takes. <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah, so in terms of like like Dory Dory's experience your experience I'm like oh I get it but so many questions still I know so you do get a period though only if I take progesterone oh so on your own you don't like every couple of months mm-hmm. it'd be like hi and then it'd be like where are you going and it's like I'm done <laughs> so like yeah my ovaries are like I had an ultrasound yesterday and she's like, yeah, they're just little. They're not doing much. Oh, wow. And, and has like, it o- it's always been that way? No, I think I was probably like 33, 34 when it started, but I didn't get diagnosed for a while. Mm-hmm. And I just was, I, 
I fi- finally I was like, I'm getting fevers a lot. And they're like, bitch, you're having hot flashes. <laughs> oh, so like, you went into like perimenopause. Mm-hmm, yeah. Which some people do like a 1% of women. It's called POF or POI. It's, um, it's primary ovarian insufficiency, mm-hmm. if you want to be nice about it. But they used to call it, I think they call it this less, um, premature ovarian failure, which is just super fun to be like, oh, I have organ failure? Right. That's cool. Right. Can you call in sick for organ failure? <laughs> <laughs> Can you get out of a gym membership for, for that? But um, so, yeah, like, I think it's 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 weird to it's kind of like when you are going going to go do something and you're not sure if you want to do it and then someone says it's canceled and you're like, well, okay. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how I feel about kids. I was like, well, fuck, I got to do it soon. But I, I travel a lot. I work a bunch. And I feel like you have to save up for their college before you can even think about getting <laughs> pregnant and stuff. Right. And so having that be like, oh, yeah, not in the cards. So, like, so like they can't get eggs out of your ovaries even if you wanted to freeze them or anything probably not no they were like every time i have to go into the i have a great reproductive endocrinologist in los angeles if anyone needs one michelle evans she's in glendale near verdugo she's awesome she's so great but yeah she'll she'll check she'll be like i there's one egg here (laughs) and i'm like well bye so yeah but it's just one percent of women go through it that could be you know, from a variety of reasons, I don't mm. really know, but it's just, it's, I don't know, it's interesting. It's kind of like, it, it's kind of like the decision was made for me mm. by just the universe. I right. Guess. It's, that pass, it's that passive optimism, pessimism. But it was, I was, it took me a bit, like when I first found out, like that day that I Googled that in the hotel room on a business trip was just, it was, ugh, I might start crying thinking about it. It was gutting. It's just like, oh, you, you just think, especially as like a woman with a career, you're like, I've got to do, I've got to check all these boxes. I've got to have a career. I've got to buy a place. I've got to save up enough money. I've got to, you know, invest in my 401k and then I'll do kids. Like mm-hmm. as soon as I do all this other stuff and also find a dude who's like not going to like steal my credit cards and like try to have sex with my sister or something like, which is hard <laughs> in LA. So you just keep kind of putting it off. And it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I, I was Everyone has a story of like, well, my cousin got pregnant on accident at 43. Once like, you stop trying, that's yeah. What, yeah, fuck all that. Yeah. And I mean, some people come out of, some people go into like remission with ovarian failure mm-hmm. where they'll think that they can't have kids and then they'll, they'll be like a oops baby. But I don't know. They don't really know why it happens. And some, some women go through it at 18, you know, and that's, they, you know, it's, but it's tough. It's like you have to, you have to take hormones so that you're, you don't get osteoporosis mm-hmm. and you've but then you have to take more hormones hormones so that you don't get endometrial cancer from the hormones you're taking to prevent. It's it's a real pain in the ass. It's right. expensive. Yeah. You know that. Anything fertility related is – anything women's health related is it's expensive. It's expensive. Which yeah. is so fucking annoying. Because like dudes have a super – like they have a, a, like a squirt gun and women have like a factory. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, oh, like we have to be capable of making human life. Like there's just complicated. So that's – a gross overstatement, but you know, no, I, mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. I was actually just yesterday. I was thinking, I really do wish I had had children younger because the career stuff can come after. And like, I was very much like, I want everything to be in line before I try to have kids. And I just like, 
I'm on the floor with him a lot and I get up and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, uh, that hurts. Um, and I'm just tired and like, I definitely feel my age and I, I feel like I had more energy when I was younger and I would, I mean, I th- it'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be good. But just I, as a having a baby, if I had more energy, it'd be better. So I wish I'd done it younger. And then I was thinking, but I wasn't ready. Yeah. That's the thing is it's not like I really wanted to, but I put it off for, for um logistical reasons it's like i put it off and i because i didn't feel ready yeah and i don't i don't i don't know that it makes sense to like do it before you're ready either i think anyone who has a young kid too is tired as fuck yeah no matter what age you're like i had more energy when i was younger which was when i didn't have a kid (laughs) you're like yeah that's (laughs) kind of like you know and your body and your your adrenaline and your you know your body kicks in when it really needs it. If you had to lift a car off Elliot, I'm sure you could. You know what I mean? Like I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> or I hope Do there's it. someone strong near me. But Daniel and I talk about like you know, we got to instill in him that he needs to do it young so that we're around to meet the grandkids. I it's know. like pretty much a selfish reason. I know. I just figure I'll get a dog eventually. My my life is weird enough where I can't even get a dog right now. So mm-hmm. I was like, how could I? How could I do? It's just it's weird. It's it's one of those problems we just we haven't quite figured out. And a lot of women are most of the women I know out earn their partners. Um, so you're also the breadwinner. Who, you know, it's just it's just fucking hard. And so especially in LA, like you don't you don't you're from OC but a lot of people move here to be like okay man i'm going to i'm leaving my family mm-hmm. i'm flying home twice a year if i can afford it to see my parents like i'm just you know i packed up a honda civic and i didn't even i had like nothing like i remember getting to my apartment and and i had a can of soup to eat and i looked around and realized i didn't have a can opener and then i was like fuck and then i realized i didn't have a pot and then I looked around and realized that the apartment didn't have a stove. And I was like, Jesus, like, I have nothing. <laughs> so like you you drop everything to come and try to make something of your mm-hmm. life. And so it's tough to be like, that's one reason why in La La Land, when Emma Stone has a baby at like two years oh, right. after she books the Paris job, I was like, what? <laughs> no, that would never happen. Yeah. And it is weird. It is weird being that person whose whole life is oriented around career achievement to then all of a sudden have a, a baby. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to be, I'm not complaining about it, but I have been going through like postpartum and identity stuff and all of that stuff. Yeah. It's just like, it's who am I now and what do I want and all of that stuff. Um, but to answer your question of how painful it is. Oh, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's weird the way you kind of forget um, because as he was literally coming out of me, I thought, I'm never doing this again. Like, this sucks. <laughs> and then, you know, a couple weeks later, I was like, well, maybe. And now I'm like, yeah, I'll do it again. <sighs> um, so it, I had an epidural. It didn't fully, mm. fully take. So like they redid it and it's still at that point I was just too dilated, I think, for it to really quell the pain. So I was I was upset about how much I was feeling Mm -hmm. Um, and I was very convinced right after that, like, I don't think it worked. And then my doctor said, you know. It, you could have been feeling a ton of pressure and that you can think that's pain. And I was like, I don't think mm. that's true. But then now that some time's passed, I'm like, was I really feeling the full array, you know, the full 
level of pain of childbirth or was that what she writing it? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think somewhere, I think I was, I wasn't feeling like the whole thing, mm-hmm. but I was feeling a lot of it. Um, it, the, the crowning, mm. they call it the ring of fire. Oh, like, that was pretty, pretty unpleasant. Right. Um, <laughs> that part was fairly awful. And I really didn't, I was very afraid of tearing. <gasps> and it, like, if the baby comes out quickly, that's when a lot of tearing can happen. Whereas if they kind of hold the babies, like they manage how fast the baby's mm-hmm. coming out. So they, you know, the, the head is there and they kind of hold the head there. And then like my doctor used mineral oil and like, there's all sorts of like massage happening. Uh, she's not all crunchy, even though it sounds like that. But she was doing every because I had begged her, please, you know, don't yeah. let me tear. Oh, so what that means, though, is that they're slowing it down so that you'll stretch. But that was not comfortable. Like that was Ooh. so like, please get this thing out of my vagina and body. Oh. Um, so that was it was painful. It was but it wasn't like. It wasn't the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. What? What's the worst pain you've ever felt? The pain I felt before needing a root canal, actually. Really? Was, yes. So maybe that's maybe that right there shows that it it I that the epidural was working. Yeah. The fact that I'm like it wasn't the worst. But yeah, I was in college and I was walking to class mm. and all of a sudden I had the this toothache that just was so intense and then it turned out I needed a root canal. How That's long, the worst pain. How long was it between feeling it and getting the root canal? Like, did you sit with that shit for like a week? No, okay. no. I, maybe it was like a day and then I was able to get in. Jesus. Maybe I even got in that day. I forget. Mm. Maybe it started at night and I woke and I still had it the next day. I know I was walking to class like holding my cheek. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the worst pain you felt? Oh, God. I feel like emotional pain is so much worse like i i remember hoarsely sobbing to uh to whitney houston videos right after she died because i was also going through a breakup and i was like does pain get worse (laughs) but um i think i had a kidney infection also right around the time of a breakup happens to be and it was so painful i was like i was actually crying from the pain and i was trying to drive myself to the doctor and i was my my whole body was shaking and i got to the doctor and the doctor like very objectively just go going through like a list of questions and are you in pain and i remember being like what does it look like? <laughs> like i was like crying so that was maybe the worst pain but i've been hit by cars i got my hand stuck in an escalator oh my god i've been through some shit i, I we were just curious kids so we were just kind of like i don't know i tried to figure out how an escalator worked when i was four and i found out this is i'm one of the reasons why they have emergency stop buttons on escalators wow there are a couple of us just total nimrods that got caught in escalators <laughs> in the 80s and they were like oh we need a button so you're welcome thank you yeah. ali ward it was so nice having you on the show thank you for having me thanks for letting it get real we know so much about each other's vaginas. i know we really do <laughs> tell everyone where to pl- plug all your stuff um ologies is kind of my my main passion project i love it so much i love working on it it's hard but um no epidurals for that but it's uh, Ologies on 
wherever you get podcasts. And uh, it's on Twitter at Ologies Pod and Instagram at Ologies. And then I'm Allie Ward, A-L-I-E-W-A-R-D, as discussed on all the things. Awesome. Jeff, where do we find you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And a little behind the scenes tip of the hat to Allie owning the perfect thermos. We had an extended discussion (laughs) before the show. I've been for years and years on the quest for the perfect thermos, and Allie has it. 32-ounce Stanley, man. Yep. Get it. Wide mouth, Mm -hmm. industrial green. So manly. It's perfect. (laughs) I'm going to take a picture of Allie with her thermos. It's so perfect. And it has a handle. A lot of thermoses don't have handles. I know. I take it everywhere. It's just big enough to be impressive and awkward. Right. I love it. And follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow my Instagram at Allison Rosen. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend.